Hey, welcome back, Res Life Church. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Nick. I work on staff here. I've gotten a chance to talk to a few people throughout the last couple of weeks as I've been speaking on Sunday nights, but uh, I'm really excited to be back here with you again tonight, and I have a message that uh, I've given in different variations in the past because this message is something that has been truly burnt onto my heart, uh, and I'm really, really excited to share it with you guys tonight. But um, like I was saying, the, the whole aspect of this message is, is really rooted in a few different scriptures that have really become kind of key scriptures for me throughout my life. There's those times where you go through scripture and all of a sudden there's something that pops out at you. And all, it, I've heard it said this way, where you start reading scripture and then scripture starts reading you. And that's what I feel like for a, a couple of these verses that they started just kind of reading my mail and really starting to challenge some ways that I perceived um, reality, God, my relationship with him. And uh, I'm excited to share those with us tonight. So the, the first scripture I, I really want to dive into, and then I'm going to pray and we'll get into the message, is actually in John. It's John 17, 3. And it says, well, let me read it. <laughs> this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is everlasting life, eternal life. That, that part's extremely critical for where we go for the rest of this verse. This is everlasting life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If you've seen some of my messages in the past, you know that for me personally, I like to do word studies, not because it's some sort of scholarly academic thing to do, but more so because it removes me out of the language that I'm so comfortable with and starts placing me in language that I have to go, what does that actually look like? And I want to do that in this, this verse here. So this is eternal life, that they may know you. Now we hear that word know and we use it for a lot of different things. Oh yeah, I know that, and oh, I know this, and I know about them, but the word there is actually gnosko. It's a fun word, gnosko, and what it actually means is not so much a head knowledge no, but a deep relational no. This is the same word to where, uh, when it says that Adam knew Eve and they bore a child. If you could fill in the blanks there, that kind of knowing is not so much a head knowledge. Adam didn't know enough about Eve in his head that they gave birth to a child. No, there was an actual intimate relationship there. And that's what this word is really kind of impregnated with, is the deep intimacy of deep crying out to deep. And when I came across this, and when it started to, like I said, read me and read my mail and start to, to search me, I started realizing I didn't know if I had this kind of relationship of knowing God. And I went on a, a journey of what it looks like to actually go through and truly know God, not just out of a, a head knowledge, but actually guarding my knowledge with him, guarding my time with him, really pursuing a deep relationship with him. Scripture in many different ways calls this the friendship with God. We see many different people throughout Scripture that had friendship with God. Abraham says that he had friendship with God. He was called a friend of God. Moses in Exodus 33 sets up the, the tent of meeting or the meeting place between him and God. And it says that he would talk to God face to face like a man talked to a friend. And then David the, the beloved psalmist who God said is a man after his own heart. I, I just, I love hearing these testimonies of people who came into this relationship of knowing God, 
of truly knowing him, moving out of a head knowledge to a deep, intimate connection with God because it gives me hope and it gives me uh, kind of a model of what I could dive into for my own life. And I just absolutely love that. David says he set the Lord before him all the days of his life. I love it. He writes in, in Psalms 27.4, again, another scripture that has become really a cry of my heart. These things have started to burn themselves in my heart to where when I get stuck in life, I just like to meditate on these things. Where Psalm 27.4 says, this one thing do I ask, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. Think about that for a second. That we would know him in a way that, that we would want to spend every waking moment. Like I said, this is also the same guy who said, I've set the Lord before me all the days of my life. But that we would want to commune with him. Live in his temple. Gaze on his beauty every single moment of every single day. And sometimes we don't know what that looks like. So I really want to dive into a lot of that tonight. I'm going to share a little bit of my story, and then we're actually going to go into uh, another story out of the Old Testament and see what it looked like for one of these guys that I just brought up. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into the message. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, God, for today. Father, I thank you for everybody watching this, whether they're watching it live, whether they're watching replay, whether they're listening to it in the podcast. But Father, I pray that all of us, myself included, would not leave today without having a deeper understanding of who you are, a deeper encounter of who you are. God, that you would do that renovation in our heart, a renovation in our life that would set our, our heart's desire solely on you. And Father, I pray that tonight all my words would fall aside, but that your truth would remain, that your truth would be what sticks with people, that they walk away with. And Father, I pray that these scriptures, as they've done in my life and as they continue to do in my life, God, that they would become just a, a cry and an anthem of our hearts moving forward. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus, have your way. Father, have your way. God, we love you. We praise you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple weeks back, I talked about the, the aspect of another Greek word, metanoia, which is repentance. It means I was thinking this way, so I was going this way. And then I had this moment of transformation in my mind where I started thinking this way. And then I started going in a new way because I had a new thought process. Again, that word is metanoia. And, and what I want to do tonight is I want to kind of paint a picture of a big metanoia moment for me years ago when I was first stepping into what does this look like to actually know God? What does this look like to actually want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life? And, and as I was wrestling with these scriptures, trying to figure out what it actually looks like, what do I need to do is the big question that I was asking myself. So uh, this is probably about seven years ago now. I used to be a graphic designer, so I was, I was interning here at church, but I was also still doing a lot of design work. And as a designer, as a creative, I loved staying up late into the evening to work on my projects. My schedule was all sorts of messed up. So <laughs> it comes to be about 12.30 at night, and I don't remember what I needed, but I needed to go to the store uh, to get something. And I don't remember the worship song that I was listening to, but it was just like awakening something in my heart to where I was saying, you know, I, I really want to 
start putting this stuff to practice. I had in different ways up until that point, but I was like, God, I, I want to go on an adventure with you tonight. So I get into the car and I lived about five minutes away from, from Meyer. And in the meantime, I'm just going, God, who do you want me to encourage? <laughs> Which is at 1230 in the morning. Uh, and, and I get what I, what I thought was a word from the Lord of an encouragement for somebody. And they were a young guy and I kind of figured, okay, they're a couple states away. They're in a different time zone. Knowing their schedule, they're probably still up. So I sent this word over to them. <laughs> I'm pulling up into Meyer, not texting while I'm driving, but get into the Meyer parking lot, text them, send it over to them, give them encouragement. And, uh, and then I'm about to go into Meyer, and you know how you get to Meyer late at night and at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, they shut down one of the entrances. So I, I parked at the entrance that I needed, but that entrance was shut down. So I had to walk all the way over to the other side. For whatever reason, they always think that the produce side is what people need at 12.30 in the morning. Like I'm going to go there for lettuce or something. <laughs> so I go over to this side, and now i got to trek all the way back over the front of the store. But keep in mind, I'm wanting to do this whole adventure with God. So I'm, I'm walking through the front of the store, trying to get to that side. And as I, as I get a, a certain ways, I catch out of the corner of my eye, there's some like paper on the ground. It's like, I don't know, some sort of trash. And I just hear what I felt was the Lord prompt me to go, hey, would you turn around and pick that up for me? And I said, okay. So I go over and I, I pick up the piece of paper and I continue walking forward. And all of a sudden I see another one and it's, would you pick that one up for me? I said, okay. So I pick up another piece of paper and I walk a little bit further and there's another one, another one. By the time I get over to the other end of the store, I have like a whole handful, it was probably like five pieces, but a whole handful of paper that I'm like, okay, I'm cleaning up the store now. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what to do with it. So I get over to the trash, pop the trash open, throw it into the trash. As I'm walking away from the trash, I pushed it open, right, one hand, throwing the other. I catch in there that there's a lottery ticket, like, sitting in the trash, but on the top of the trash, full, so it's sitting right there at the top. And I'm now walking to the back end of, I'm going someplace with this story, I promise, <laughs> walking to the back end of the self-checkout when I think, how cool would it be if that lottery ticket was a winner and God rewarded me for my diligence and obedience that I just showed him. <laughs> so I get to the end of this thing and again, I'm practicing hearing God's voice. I'm practicing all this stuff of going, what does this look like? And by the time I hit the other end of the self-checkout, I hear, hey, go get that lottery ticket out of the trash. And I think, yes, this is it. I walk over, I pull the lottery ticket out, pull some change out, scratch the rest of it off. And it's a $40 <laughs> winner. And I go, praise the Lord. I was faithful with little, little. I'll be faithful with much. Here we are. Thank you, God. You've rewarded me. And like I said, I was interning at the time, so I'd stepped away from a lot of work and I wasn't making a whole lot of money. So now I'm walking through the rest of the store thinking about what I'm going to spend this $40 on because I'm strapped for cash at this point. I'm just going, thank you, God. You've provided for me. This is provision. I, I get to the backside of the store. Maybe I'm too far out of the camera. Sorry, Doug. I'm backside of the store and, and all of a sudden one of the workers of Meyer comes walking by me. And now again, it seems like I'm not quick enough to hear these words because it's always happening behind me. So now the, walk, the worker walks by me, gets to about here, and I hear, I want you to give that $40 lottery ticket to this, this worker. And I, 
I stood there and I said, this is not from the Lord. <laughs> this is my reward. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. And then all of a sudden, wisdom started creeping in and I said, okay, this is of the Lord. And I, I turn around, but now after all this contemplating of whether or not I'm going to give this away, the worker's at the front side of the store, so now I got to run them down. <laughs> and, and hopefully you're getting like a mental picture because I, I wish I could see like the, the store cam footage of me walking through and digging through the trash and running this guy down and holding out the thing I just dug out of the trash. Anyway, long story short, I go up and I give the, the lottery ticket to the guy. Uh, kind of startled him because I was like beelining it for him, just like, here you go. <laughs> and, uh, and I just said, hey, I feel like the, the Lord really wanted me to give this to you. It's a $40 winner. I didn't tell him I found it in the trash. Thought that might make it a little weird. Uh, and just said, hey, be blessed. And, and I walk away. And where I was excited about having the lottery ticket, all of a sudden as I walk away, excitement starts turning to, like, peace. And I had no idea how to explain the peace that I was experiencing because I had just given away this, this reward to this person that I don't know, and I don't know what they're going to do with it, and all these different things that could have gone through my mind just didn't. I had peace, and I'm walking through the rest. I bought whatever it was that I bought, toothpaste or something like that. But a couple weeks later, I was sitting down in my car, and again, I was just sitting there going, I just want to have a conversation with the Lord. And I was bringing up the story with the Lord. And, and I said, but one thing I don't understand, God, is why did you have me give my reward away? Like here I was, I was diligent for you. And then you had me give the thing you gave me away to somebody else. And what was originally peace started to come in as a question. And I started sitting there and just kind of wonder. And again, what I, what I felt like I heard, when I say heard, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just a, a sensation inside my, my heart. The Lord was saying to me, he said, Nick, you, you misunderstood the thing that I gave you as the reward. When the reward is always time in my presence. When the reward is always the adventure with God. When reward is always the history that we make with the Lord. I heard Bill Johnson say years ago, he was talking about somebody coming up to him and they're asking him if he could pray for them to give them a double portion of his anointing. <laughs> and he just kind of looks at him and he laughs. And he sits there and he's like, how do I respond to this? He ends up saying to the guy, I can't give you what you're asking for because I can't give you my time in the presence of God. That's nothing I can impart to you. I can encourage you, but I can't give you my history with the Lord. That's not transferable. And, and it came in about a year after the, the time that I had, and it just started sparking this inside of me of just going, man, this gnosko, this idea to know God, to truly know God, that we get everlasting life from that's so much of what this is. Whereas sometimes I get really caught up on the thing that God was giving to me or the thing that God's promising me that I start to lose track on the time that I get to spend with God. The intimacy, the relationship, the friendship that I get to step into with God. I think about it in John 15 where Jesus is telling the disciples, like, Picture yourself as, as one of Jesus' disciples right now. 
And here he is talking to you. He just got done talking about the the vine and the branches and you're wrapping your mind around that. But then he goes into this really interesting thing to where he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know the plans of the master. I actually now call you friends. As, as a disciple of Jesus, sitting at his feet, watching him, God in the flesh, do all these amazing things, having him look at you and say, I now call you friends because I've revealed the heart of the Father to you. Because now you've stepped into a place of knowing that's no longer head knowledge, but we've relationed together so long that now you're no longer a servant. You still do things for me, with me, guided by my heart, but I specifically call you friends. And I just go, what does that feel like? And I feel like I've tasted bits and pieces, but all of our life is discipleship. So all of our life is stepping into more of what that expression looks like, where Christ can look at us and go, I now call you friends. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. Hopefully you guys are are following along with me. And the beautiful thing is when when I was in that process, I had no idea what it all looked like. And I I thought it was about the paper, and the paper was part of it. And I thought it was about delivering the word. Later on that night, I heard back from that that friend. He was up, and and he said that it it touched him. So that that whole night was a beautiful picture of not, hey, good on Nick, pat on the back, but what it looks like to just start stepping into going, I don't know what this necessarily looks like, but God, would you guide me in this journey? Because I want to know you, and I want friendship with you. And it's been the cry of my heart ever since. I've continuously talked on just setting our heart's desire on the Lord because I think that that's at the core of discipleship. I think that's at the core of our pursuit of God. I think that's at the core of what it actually means to believe and trust in who God is. So that's the only thing I can continue sharing because that's, that's what's really awakened me over the years. Time and history spent in the presence of the Lord is better and more refreshing than any amount of accomplishment that we could ever obtain. I mentioned earlier about the the different friends of God in Scripture, and if you haven't caught on by now, Moses is one of my favorite individuals in Scripture, and I'll actually talk about why in this story. Uh, I want to bring up one of my all-time favorite Moses stories. There's actually two stories here. I'm going to hint at the second one, but we're really going to park in Exodus 33. I encourage you, even if you're at home, uh, well, if you're If you're driving, continue driving. Don't pull out your Bible there. But if you're at home, pull out your Bibles. Go to Exodus 33 with me. And to to kind of paint the picture and to set up the the stage of where we're at in the story here, uh, a couple chapters earlier, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. And this is the story where he goes up and he gets the the Ten Commandments. Uh, Most people know that story. And if you don't, you could read back, start at like, 31 through 33, you'll get kind of the picture of where we're going tonight. Uh, So he goes up to the the mountain and he spends 40 days and 40 nights up there. And the people of Israel are on their way to to the promised land, right? They're stuck in the wilderness. They're They're wanting to get to the promised land. They're waiting for Moses up top and he's up there for too long compared to their standards and they start to get impatient. So what they do is they go over to Aaron, a leader in the group, and they say, hey, I don't know what happened to this Moses. He went up there. God must have destroyed him. 
I don't know that we want to be with that God, so why don't we make our own God? Can you make us a God? Just by far, just, <laughs> they don't know scripture, so they didn't know that they were just idiots at the time. <laughs> make us our own God. So Aaron goes and takes all their earrings, their jewelry, all these different gold things, melts it all down and puts it into the form of a golden cow, a calf. And they start worshiping this golden calf. And now they're, they're praising it, they're worshiping it, and all these different things. And now the Lord and Moses are up on Mount Sinai going, what the world is going on down there, you know? And, and so Moses goes back down, he grinds up the, the golden calf, feeds it to the entire Israelites, he makes them all drink it, which is a really strange thing in and of itself, probably a different message altogether. Uh, and, and we're catching now up to this place to where God's looking at the Israelites and he's saying, they are a stiff-necked people. I'm not going to be with them. They don't want anything to do with me. They couldn't be patient. All these different aspects are coming in here. And Moses is going up and petitioning the Lord, working with the Lord of going, no, like, let's, let's work through this and, and let's redeem this situation. So God comes in, and we're in Exodus 33 right now. This is right at the beginning. And the Lord's talking to Moses again. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, we're doing one through uh, three right now. So Exodus 33, one through three. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people that you brought out of Egypt, and go up to the land that I promised on, uh, on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. So he's saying, if they want the promised land so much, then you guys can go. Go to the promised land. He said, I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the ites. He said, I'm going to send an angel of the Lord with you. They're going to drive them all out so you can get to the land flowing with milk and honey. He said, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you along the way. He says, if you want the promise, I, I, I'll honor my word. I gave you a promise. I'm sending you to the promised land. I'm going to get you there. And if you want to go right now, you can go. I'll clear out the way. I'll take all the ites that are trying to attack you, trying to kill you. I'll spread them out. An angel of the Lord will go before you. But I'm not going to go there with you. And it continues on, and we're going to jump a little bit forward into Exodus 33, but uh, just before where we're heading, we're going to end up at, at verse 12. This is where it says that, that Moses was talking to God face to face like a man talks to his friend. So here he is, we're getting this picture to where God's looking at the Israelites going, they have completely turned away from me. They're making golden calves to worship. The only one that I'm, I'm here talking to is you. The only one that's listening to me is you. So let's just send them away. And Moses is going, God, these are your people too. You called me to pull them out of, out of Egypt. And he's working with them as a man would work with a friend, as a man would talk with a friend. Now it goes into to verse 12. We're going to go through 17. It says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I have known you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. Moses is going, I'm taking responsibility. 
I understand that, that the Israelites, that we've messed up as a people, but teach me, guide me, because I want to know you. And we see that here in a second. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you, again, know you, and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Then the Lord replied to Moses and said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And this is where I... This is why I love Moses is because here he is in conversation with them and now we're gonna see the aim of his heart, the cry of his heart, the petition of his heart that he will refuse all other blessings apart from the presence of God. He continues on and says, Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. He gets it. Moses is saying, The land of promise, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey is nothing if it's apart from you. How much do we get so caught up like the Israelites on trying to get to the promised land that we so neglect God because he may have taken a little bit longer than what our calendars said that he should have. How quick we are. We we look at this and and like I said a minute ago, like the Israelites were just stupid. (laughs) Like, Making a golden calf, thinking that that would be a God that could serve them, it's just strange. But at the same time, we try to, Pastor Dwayne was talking about this a couple Sundays ago, to where we try and put ourselves in the better position. We like to think that we're Moses, going up to the mountain, petitioning God, waiting and going, no, I will not. But more often than not, if I'm honest with myself, I find myself in the position of the Israelites where I'm holding on to the $40 lottery ticket going, but God, you gave this to me where I'm looking at the promise that he's calling me to, and I'm going, I just want to get there. (laughs) Kind of in all means necessary. I just want to get there, and I could do so. And there's probably been multiple times, many times, that I have done so in the past on my own strength without actually partnering with God. But Moses sets us up so well to understand what it looks like for friendship with God means I don't want the promised land if it means that you're not going to be there with me. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send me from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? I love this part. What else distinguishes us and your people? Me, what else distinguishes me and your people from all the other people on the face of the planet? Moses is saying, your presence with us is the very thing that, that defines us. Right? When we look at the, the idea of Christianity, sometimes we do Christianity without Christ. <laughs> and then all we have is eanity, <laughs> which sounds a lot like insanity. I just made that up on the spot, so don't hate me. Uh, but what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the planet if you don't go with us? Your presence defines us. Your presence is the distinguishing factor between us and everyone else. And if you're not there, no matter what, if we get to the promised land and we say, God sent us here, but God's not with us, then we have no other distinguishing factor against the rest of the world. We're just like them. We just happen to be in the promised land. And the Lord said to Moses, this is verse 17, 
I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. <laughs> and then, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference my second favorite story of Moses. It's connected to this story. Immediately after this, Moses goes up and says, then show me your glory, <laughs> which the glory is the full manifestation of the presence of God. It's, it's, glory means weight, right? Kabod. So weight, the weight of God, the, the full manifestation, all his character, nature, goodness, everything. Moses is going, here I am, we're friends, I'm refusing. I will not go over to the promised land if you don't come with me. God goes, I'll, I'll give you what you ask for. And then Moses takes it a step further because friends wanna continue in the pursuit of our friends. I have so many friends on staff here. You guys know Pastor Jake. He's one of my closest friends in life. And we wouldn't be growing in our friendship if I didn't wanna get to know more of him. My wife, I wouldn't be growing in our marriage if I didn't want to get to know more of her. So here is Moses going, show me your glory. And I want to, I want to start winding down. I think the, the message is very, very apparent. I want to start closing us off. The aspect here is I'm, I'm searching myself and I'm just inviting you in. I'm not trying to point any fingers at us. I'm just going, this, is, this has been the cry of my heart. And I've gone through seasons of up and seasons of down to where I realized I'm more like the Israelites today, or, man, I, I just want to know you, God. I just want to gnosko you, God. Deeply know you. But so often I turn to other things. So often I turn to the promises and forget the promiser. And I just want to close this out. And I, I specifically talk about the aspect of, of show me your glory. God hides Moses in the cleft of the rock. He passes the backside of his glory upon him. And he, he comes down from the Mount Sinai at that point. And his, his face is shining like the sun, it said. <laughs> they had to put a basket over his head because he was scaring people. I would probably be scared too if I seen someone with beams of light coming out of their face. But he had known God in such a way that he started transforming to look a little bit more like him. And I think this is absolutely beautiful. But what I think is even more beautiful is what Christ did for us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 that the glory that Moses encountered with the Lord was actually an ever-dwindling glory. As soon as he came down from the mountain, the glory was starting to fade. And actually, then in 2 Corinthians 3, there, he's saying that's also why they put the basket there was because it was starting to fade away. But then he goes on to say that what Jesus did in the freedom that we find in Christ, the freedom that we find in the Holy Spirit, actually brings us to a greater representation of knowing God. Where 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we all with unveiled face, get the picture here, just moments before, he says that those who know God have an unveiled face. So we all who are coming into knowing him, a gnosko relationship with him, are all unveiled in face. And we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And that's a very poetic way of saying we're looking and fixating at the face of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the full representation of the glory of God. We are then being transfigured into his image and likeness from glory to glory. Remember, Moses had a friendship with God that was 
momentary. He had, to, he had to go up to the place to meet with God and then he would come down and as he was down, the, the relational aspect that he carried away, the, the glory that was re- residing on him, the glory residue on him was fading away. We have a completely new relationship in the new covenant to where we're not stepping in and out of the presence of God. Our knowing him is through the interaction with the Holy Spirit. It's where we carry the kingdom of God within us, Jesus says, and we go into all of life getting to commune deeply, getting to gnosko with God, knowing him. So much more than the head knowledge. So much more than going in here and trying to, to study so then I have a really cool thing to bring up even on stage. I, that's if that's what I do, then I'm, I'm stepping out of the gnosko and I'm pursuing just the applause of people and I cry in my heart that that would never happen, but that I would go in here not to get good knowledge, but to get good understanding of who God is, to get good gnosko relationship time where I could step into friendship with God. This is offered to us in And I do think that it's so important, this gnosko understanding of no is so important. In Matthew 7, Jesus starts talking about something that that is a little startling. It's where there's... He starts telling about how in, in those days, those end days, there will be people that come up to him and they'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And they start listing off really good Christian things. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not heal the sick and, and do miracles in your name? Did we not fill in the, the blanks? And then Jesus looks at him and says, depart from me, for I never, what? Gnoscoed you. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Depart from me because you were so focused on the things that you lost track of the relationship. And the things aren't bad, <laughs> right? Paul tells us to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, that we would prophesy, that we would... It's so beautiful when heaven comes to earth and we see a miracle, a sign, and a wonder. But if I'm honest with myself, there's been times in the past where I've made that the thing versus gnosko the thing. The knowing the thing, the getting into the presence of God and just going, God, what do you want to say to me today? Let's go on an adventure together as we go into Meyer or Walmart or Menards or wherever it might be. Even as we're walking through the church, what does it look like to commune with you, to hear your voice? So for some of us, we, like myself, I realized I didn't actually pursue that relationship. I always thought that it was about doing all the Christian things. And if that's you, there's no shame to that. But there's an invitation to get to know God. And trust me, it's, it's better than just trying to do all these things. I remind you, uh, John 17, 3 says, this is everlasting life. This is eternal life. And that starts now. This is renewing life. We could call it that way. Is that we would know God, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So if that's you and you, you don't know God, you haven't stepped into the gnosko relationship with God, I want to, us all to bow our heads. And I just want to lead us in a very simple prayer. It's not about the words. This is about the, the cry of our heart. Like I said, that these scriptures would be burnt onto our heart 
and that they would just become the declaration of our life. And it's just saying, Jesus, I don't know if I know you, but I want to. Some of us realize that, that we've chased after the promised land and it's going, Jesus, I apologize and I repent. I'm thinking in a completely different way now. And I see that I was chasing after the things versus chasing after you. And I move away from that and just say, Jesus, I surrender all. Even if you prayed a prayer like this a thousand times, a million times, say it again, Jesus, I give you my all. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to know you. Truly, deeply know you. God, awaken in me a heart that will not settle for anything else but to deeply know you, to chase after your face all the days of my life. And he will reward us for that. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. So Father, we just thank you. God, I thank you that you're drawing near to us right now. I thank you that wherever somebody is, whether they're in their car or in their house or out for a run, God, that you're speaking to them right now, that they don't have to wait for this relationship, but as soon as this is done, even right now as we're still talking, that you're reaching out and responding to the cry of our heart, that you're meeting us here in this place. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And Papa, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.